The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. And I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. So today's kind of a very special episode. It is. In lieu of um, one of our experts, uh, one of our DLCV experts, you're sort of going to be interviewing me? Yeah, this is going to be featuring (laughs) just us this episode, so hopefully you like the two of us. Virginia is going to be discussing one of the fatal five, uh, the urinary tract infection. So very glamorous topic. But before we jump in, let's check out disability in the news. Apple is creating more than 250 new affordable housing units in California, many of them reserved for veterans, homeless, and residents with developmental disabilities. Apple is allocating $400 million towards affordable housing projects all across California. During COVID, many affordable housing projects have been put on pause, but Apple is proud to continue moving forward with building more affordable and accessible units. Last year, Google committed money for an inclusive apartment complex for people with disabilities in California as well. So again, I am so happy to be interviewing someone I have clearly never met before. Virginia Ferris. Welcome to the show, Virginia. Thank you. Uh, Longtime fan. Um, So we we wanted to sort of switch it up a little bit today. Usually we talk about um, something that DLCV does or a project that we have going on or like a specific uh, advocacy strategy. This is, this is sort of like a specific advocacy strategy. Um, you know, when we do our work in the facilities, we see a lot of people end up getting really sick off of, you know, like you said, the fatal five off of these really preventable sort of low level medical stuff that if not treated can become a big thing. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that today. And we wanted to give our listeners an idea of how to spot a UTI, what to do about it, and how to advocate for somebody else who might be at risk. So I think the first question, of course, is what is a UTI anyway? So UTI stands for urinary tract infection. So when you have a UTI, it means that your urethra, which is the little tube that carries pee from your bladder to the outside of your body, has gotten infected. Sometimes that infection can also spread up to your bladders or even your kidneys. And how does that even happen? How can we get infections? How can we get a urinary tract infection? 
I mean, honestly, lots of things can cause UTIs, but most commonly the bacteria that causes them is E. coli, which comes from the intestines. Uh, now, for most people, the urethra is located pretty close to where feces leaves your body from the large intestine. Uh, and that means that you can get a UTI from something as simple as wiping poorly after you go to the bathroom. I know that some other things that can contribute to UTI infections is not going to the restroom regularly. Mm -hmm. So if you hold your urine in um, for long periods of time, that can increase your risk of infection. Yeah, that can, that can definitely contribute because for the most part, like when you pee, it flushes bacteria out of your urinary tract. So from regularly, if you're bacteria that ends up there regularly, you're at much lower risk. And I, I do want to take this moment to clarify, in case you couldn't tell, I'm not a doctor. Uh, <laughs> None of this is uh, designed to be medical advice or opinion. Um, we're just sort of talking about like some very basic things. You can find them on the CDC website, Mayo Clinic website, just sort of the bare basics. And, and part of the reason that, you know, we are having Virginia talk about this is that doing facility work, you know, you know, we go out as advocates and you know, try to figure out what is causing people of getting sick. If we see things where people are getting, you know, a lot of sickness is occurring or even deaths are occurring, you know, so a lot of our conversations has to do with preventable conditions. And so, you know, Virginia, as one of our uh, institutions advocates, uh, does have experience going to the facilities and talking to people about these conditions. So, you know, we talked about what kind of a UTI is and sort of some of the, you know, how we can get a UTI. Is this uh, something that anyone can contract? The short answer is yes. Um, there are some people who are at higher risk, though, including people with mobility impairments, people with diabetes, people who use catheters, and people with poor hygiene. Okay, so higher risk folks, obviously, that's a area that covers a lot of our listeners and our constituents. So that's one of the reasons why this topic's important. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not always stuff that you can go like, I'm at a higher risk thing. I need to change this about myself. Like if you have a spinal cord injury and therefore, you know, going to the bathroom for you looks a little bit different and you can't necessarily feel pain. That's not something that you can change, unfortunately. So you, you know, have to be aware that you're at risk for mm -hmm. something like that. So what are the most common symptoms of a UTI? I think most people who have had a UTI would tell you that pain and burning when you pee are the most common symptoms. A UTI often makes you feel like you have to pee a lot or um, have to pee very urgently, but with very little output. Pain is also common, um, and that can present as pain in the groin or even back pain sometimes. But older adults are actually a lot less likely to have pain as a symptom. So it's important to keep an eye out for other symptoms like weird-looking or weird-smelling urine, fever, nausea, vomiting, or altered mental status. Some folks are going to manifest these common symptoms 
kind of differently. So how can someone who has a UTI, um, how can you tell, let's say, that they have a UTI if they don't communicate verbally or they communicate differently or that they process pain differently? Yeah, I mean, as you might guess, folks with certain disabilities are at a higher risk for UTIs, but those UTIs can be hard to spot. Um, a second ago, I mentioned altered mental status, and that is a big deal when you are working with folks who communicate differently, being able to tell that maybe they do have a UTI, um, because a lot of people start acting strangely when they have a UTI. Um, they can become confused or physically disoriented, um, which can lead to falls. Sometimes they might even look psychotic, which is one of the reasons why, um, you know, if somebody is being screened to go into a hospital on a psychiatric basis, they're usually going to screen for a urinary tract infection first, or at least you would hope to, or you would hope that they would. Um, they might also, this the disorientation could lead to falls, and of course, they might have a fever as well. So, um, the reason I kind of jumped on altered mental status, so I used to work in the field as a crisis worker, specifically for folks with developmental disabilities and mental health uh, conditions. So duly diagnosed is the common term. And one of the things some people might uh, recognize me because of my uh, bowel obstruction video, and we <laughs> talked about how in with bowel obstructions that you can often see people acting um, erratically, they become highly agitated, they can even become violent, and that can lead to sort of this um, assumption that they're having a mental health crisis and they're having a physical crisis. And so, like you said, one of the things we would do is when people were being screened for potential hospitalization, we would always um, ensure that they were getting tested for urinary tract infections because that can lead to a lot of erratic behavior and agitation and mm -hmm. folks who can't communicate, you know, can't communicate verbally or have difficulty processing pain and, you know, have difficulty communicating that pain. So one of the basic screenings that they should do is making sure if they don't have a UTI, because as a dear former colleague, well, kind of still a colleague, but part-time colleague used to say it is that, uh, UTI is the only psychiatric condition that you can cure with antibiotics. Truer <laughs> words have never been spoken. So, yeah. um, and I mean, I mean, the altered mental status aspect is, you know, in itself kind of dangerous to the person. Like, false and erratic behavior can occasionally themselves be deadly. So that's definitely something to watch out for. But like just an untreated UTI by itself can also be fatal. Like I mentioned earlier, a UTI can spread to the kidneys, which can be really painful and really dangerous um, and can cause sepsis, specifically urosepsis, like sepsis of the urinary tract or from the urinary tract. Um, and that can very easily lead to death, scarily enough. I believe DLCV um, several years ago did some work uh, investigating a string of deaths at a facility that was contributed to 
sepsis due to UTIs? Yes. Um, and, you know, every year when we are, um, every year we put out what we call um, the report on critical incidents or the critical incident report, um, where we look at all of the injuries and deaths reported to us by the safety facilities. And that's one thing that we do. Um, for each death that comes through, we look through the record, we look to whether a UTI or some other like really preventable medical thing played a role in that person's death. And, you know, it, it's something that you have to watch out for. It's something to be very cautious about. Mm -hmm. Since we, since we actually did an investigation several years ago, which you alluded to, we haven't seen it quite as much, which has been great and reassuring, but it's, you know, something that you always have to look out for in congregate care settings. Right. And, and when you say, you know, we've, we've said facilities, this, this can be uh, obviously state psychiatric facilities. We're talking about nursing homes. We're talking about assisted living facilities, even group homes and other community placements where you have folks who are at risk. Um, it's always something to watch out for. So now that we know how serious a UTI can be, how do we prevent one? So hygiene is clearly the most important thing. If you're able to go to the bathroom without assistance, make sure your hands are clean and that you're wiping front to back. If you are helping a loved one who can't use the toilet by themselves, it's important to make sure that you're helping them to the bathroom or checking for incontinence at least every two hours. Um, if the person uses an incontinence brief, it's important to change it as soon as it gets dirty. And in general, you just want to make sure that you are keeping the person, whether it's yourself or a loved one, as dry and clean as possible. Similar to the uh, bowel obstruction tips, you can also include prevention of UTIs in care planning. Um, typically what we see with care plans that are developed in the community is encouraging individuals to drink water. So that's a really important way to kind of help prevent UTIs and keep the body functioning the way it should. So you see a lot of care plans where you encourage somebody to drink, you know, at least three or four glasses of water a day, depending on their tolerance level. And also, you know, tracking if they're experiencing pain and like erratic behavior and things like that. So there's also ways for um, more formal care providers to make sure that's part of an individual's treatment plan to prevent mm -hmm. the infection. Having your perspective is really cool and really valuable, especially when it comes to talking about like how urinary tract infections can lead to what is essentially a psychiatric crisis. Like so many people do not realize that that is the case, and mm -hmm. you know the, mm -hmm. and it's something that like once you realize that that's a factor, you start seeing it again and again immediately. Part of that, again, is, is this idea that when you have somebody who, let's say, has difficulty communicating verbally and is acting erratic in a way that's very unusual, uh, always a good, a good rule of thumb is to check medical stuff first, to say, okay, so let's check their bowel movement chart. When's the last time they had a bowel movement? Let's check how much water they've been drinking. Um, have they been going to the bathroom like 
you know, every 15th, you know, every 15 minutes, it's really unusual. So marking those out is always a really great way to start doing detective work on what's going on. Yeah. So what should someone do if they're experiencing some of these symptoms and they think that they possibly have a UTI? First and foremost, get it checked out. Um, Like if you can make your own doctor's appointment, do that. If you can't, um, have someone you trust make an appointment for you. The good news, and there is good news in all of this. The good news is that if caught early, UTIs are usually very easily treated and they don't have to be, they don't have to be a big deal. I think most people have had a UTI or at least, you know, most women I know, um, so uh, again, go get it checked out. Mm-hmm. And again, any sort of like formalized care provider should also be, if someone is experiencing those kinds of symptoms, should always go ahead and, you know, get somebody checked out by a nurse or a doctor, um, mm-hmm. get them to an appointment so they can get that treatment uh, hot and ready. So yeah, and it, and we've we've talked about this, a little bit throughout, but I just want to sort of end on the note of UTIs are a serious concern among people with disabilities. Like UTIs are part of the fatal five. Sometimes um, they're also part of uh, what is sometimes used instead of the fatal five, which is the seven medical triggers. But both of them are a list of sort of common preventable to an extent um, medical conditions that can be very dangerous if not handled properly. Um, And like I said, if you catch that someone has a UTI and treat them, they're usually going to be fine. But people with disabilities, depending on what the disability is, may not be able to communicate what they're feeling to someone who can get them treatment. They may not even be able to tell that they're having symptoms. People who need assistance when they go to the bathroom are also very vulnerable when it comes to this, and they rely on the people who help them to do a good job, to, you know, practice proper hygiene. But, you know, that is relying on somebody else to do the right thing. So we're just hoping that this podcast educates individuals and providers um, as to what they need to keep an eye out for and how they can prevent UTIs. Yeah, and I think this information is really good for individuals who want to, you know, self-advocate for themselves and to make sure that they're, you know, taking care of themselves and getting the proper care. It's good for family members or, you know, other informal care providers who are assisting folks, making sure that they're aware of what's going on. And then of course, you know, like I've said, the formalized care providers, making sure that, you know, they're keeping track of what's going on. And if you happen to have, you know, a family member or a friend or someone close to you that is in a congregate care setting, feel free to ask the staff about, hey, you know, I'm worried about UTIs, you know, how are we, you know, making sure that prevention's in place? What kind of plan do you have? You know, that should be a conversation that you can easily have with the folks who are taking care of these people. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap up this lively discussion. Thank you so much, Virginia, for educating all of us on UTIs. Yes, thank you for having me on our podcast. You're so welcome. (laughs) And now, a DLCV highlight. 
DLCV advocate Elizabeth conducted her final social security clinic for the fiscal year last month. One case in particular stood out. A woman who SSI for 18 years was released from jail and tried to reinstate her SSI only to be denied, mainly because the jail hadn't released her medical records to DDS. Even the SOAR worker couldn't get these critical records. DLCV's institutions unit got involved and used that contact with the jail to identify the exact person within the jail to release these records. This enabled the SOAR worker to do her job to expedite her client's claim. The client was beside herself with stress and on the verge of hospitalization. So we hope our cross-unit advocacy averts this outcome, as well as another denial, results in rapid SSI approval. So yes, Virginia, again, thank you so much for appearing on this podcast for the first time to explain to us about a preventable condition that we should all be informed about and advocate for or about or what i, I mean i i wouldn't say go out there and advocate for urinary tract infections but you listener you go out and you advocate for good hygiene you advocate for all of the preventative measures that we talked to you about and you know let us know how it goes. We love hearing your stories. We'd love to maybe feature, uh, here's how I used DLCV's advocacy toolkit. Um, you know, yeah, so. absolutely. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. Follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Virginia Ferris. And I'm Ren Fazuski. And this has been Rights Here. Rights Now. <laughs>